You are listening to episode 14 of Quarter Share, a trader's tale from the golden age of the solar clipper. Written and read by Nathan Lowell. Previously on Quarter Share. Well, between the ones who came to see the tough bitch in leather and the ones who came to look down Diane's blouse, there was a lot of oogling. It wasn't until I read the caption, Cargo 2nd Alice McKendrick Jagone, Christens Federated Freight's newest solar clipper, the 43K-ton Lois McKendrick, that I recognized a younger version of our captain. That's traditional young Ishmael. That's the ship's puka, a kind of spirit. There's always an honorary crew berth for the person for whom a ship is named. Chapter 23, Marguerite Station, 2352, January 12. We're missing something. I told Pip later in the sauna. Sat, he said sleepily. The mercantile cooperative. Miss it, he said. I've been staring at it all day. I know, but I think I'm seeing what the captain meant. What's going to happen in the booth for the next couple of days? Nothing, as far as I know. We don't have anything to sell, said Pip. Yeah, so we're out to twenty creds, and anybody in the crew who might want to use it, we don't know about, so they're out of luck. With the margins we got today, the twenty creds is rounding error, he replied but I take your meaning on the rest of the crew. There's another thing, too. What's that? Time in port is limited, and if you and I have to spend all our time selling, we don't have time for buying. That thought had been banging up against the inside of my skull already, and I only nodded at Pip. Okay, some lessons learned here, he said. First, this was a last-tick idea. Whatever we did here is really just testing the water. I nodded. Who'd have thought? Pip said, obviously the captain, because if I remember correctly, she warned us of most of this. True, I agreed. So, how does a mercantile cooperative work, Pip finally said. We're thinking like traders, and I think we need to be thinking like businessmen. I don't know, I said, but I know who does. Pip looked at me, and we both said, the captain. Okay, before we bother her with it, I held up my hand and counted off fingers. We need to know what it's supposed to be, how it might work in our situation, and who we can get to help us. Pip replied, the first should be easy. The second would be better discussed if we had an answer to the third. Makes sense, I agreed, and I'm ready to get out of here. We showered up and went out to find out who else might be aboard. Turns out there weren't many. We ran Francis down in the environmental section. Hey, Francis, I called. Can we talk to you? He nodded. Sure, I just need to keep an eye on the gauges and fill out my logs on time. What's on your mind? Pip and I looked at each other before I began. Well, we did pretty well in the flea market yesterday, don't you think? Oh, yeah, he agreed with enthusiasm. That was not only fun, but highly profitable. I'm going back tomorrow afternoon and see what I can pick up for St. Cloud. I nodded. Yeah, that's what we want to talk about. Why, aren't you going to rent a booth in St. Cloud? Pip chimed in. Well, that's what we're trying to determine. This is a spur-of-the-moment thing, and we weren't terribly organized. Francis chuckled. Yeah, I understand that. We have five weeks to get it organized for St. Cloud, and what we're trying to figure out is how we can make this work all the time without having Pip and I spending all of our time at it, I summed up. And we'd like to organize it so that our expenses are covered, Pip added. We didn't spend much this time, but the four days of booth rental came out of pocket. There were some things we probably should make arrangements for if we're going to be doing this all the time. Like chairs, Francis asked. I chipped in with, yeah, chairs, food, whatever supplies and signs we need to do a professional-level job out there. Pip said, I'd like to see us have a grav pallet set up like the regulars do, so all we have to do is slide it out of the cargo lock and drag it up to the flea market. Whose mass would that come out of, Francis asked. We don't know, I told him. Maybe we can get it assigned to Lois. But what we need now are people who are willing to talk with us about forming a co-op to do this on an ongoing basis. 
If we can get a core group who will be responsible for organizing it between ports, then we should all be able to make out much better and cut down on some of the haphazardness. Makes sense to me, he said. When are we doing this? I don't know, said Pip. We're just trying it out now to see if there are others who'd like to go in with us. I'm in, Francis said. I had a ball out there, and I'd love to do it again. Hell, just watching Diane and Beverly play the crowd was a hoot. You want me to contribute to the rental fund? Let me know. I shook my head. No, we're still negotiating on that one. The captain actually paid the rental, and we've offered to pay back the ship, but we don't know if she's accepted or not. Francis looked a bit confused, but Pip forestalled his asking and just said, Don't ask. He nodded. Okay. Look, it's time for my rounds, but count me in on this. I made more creds trading yesterday than I have in the whole last stanier combined. If we can do this all the time. Pip and I both nodded. Thanks, Francis, I said. Spread the word if you can. Let us know about anybody else who's interested. We'll try to set up a meeting for after pullout. We headed back to the birthing area, and I asked Pip, Do we have a handle on stores trades for St. Cloud? Pip nodded. Yeah. Between the Sarabanda and the mushrooms, we're in good shape. We're bound for Dunsany Roads after that. There's not a lot of leverage between those two systems. They're too similar. To get a good margin, there has to be a difference. How about the empty container problem? He nodded again. Yeah, I met with Mr. Maxwell while you were in the booth. The beefalo robes were very popular, but the rugs didn't sell. We're taking them on to St. Cloud. Having a planet under you and room to spread out might make the rugs more viable. I should have considered that. Did you make any profit? He grinned. Oh, yeah, between the robes and the odd pallets of stuff I had on the manifest, we cleared 50 kilocreds. That's on the container, so basically the robes still left are free. Wait, you cleared 50 kilocreds on a 10 kilocred investment? Pip nodded smugly. Nice, I commented and patted him on the back. What did Mr. Maxwell say? Pip stopped and swiveled his head in imitation. Very good, Mr. Costairs. I shall expect a similar report for the market in St. Cloud when we get there. I chuckled. You know, that's a little scary that you do him so well. What are we taking to St. Cloud? Mushrooms, he shrugged. What else? How many? Every kilo we can stuff in there. I whistled. That's a lot of mushrooms. He nodded, and we continued down to birthing and hit the rack. Bev came to wake us in the morning. She had to watch until 0600. Well, what have you two been up to overnight? She asked by way of greeting. Planning, I told her. I think we want to make the McKendrick Mercantile Cooperative a formal entity, or at least more organized by the time we get to St. Cloud. Good, she said. Count me in. How'd you do yesterday, Pip? I managed to hold on to ten of those belts, he said. She whistled. How many did you sell? Seventy. Hey, we softened them up for you, she teased. No doubt, he said. No doubt. Pip headed for the galley while I was still considering my options. What's on for today, Ish? Shopping, I grinned. We did pretty well in Gugara. Fancy a shop later? She gave me a thumbs up. I'm off at 0600, but I've been up since midnight. I'm going to rack it till noon, but I'm up for it after that. Oh, better deals in the afternoon, I said with a grin. She chuckled and went back to her watch station. I was feeling bleary-eyed and foggy still. Pip and I had been up rather later than normal, and my body was feeling the flea market from the previous day. I still couldn't believe we'd made over three kilocreds on the belts. Blinking, I pulled out my tablet and brought up the economic section. Cooperative brought up several entries. The crux of it was that a co-op was a group of people who shared a common belief system and who contributed to the common good of their group. There wasn't much to go on, but I started thinking about Lois McKendrick and all the people in New Edinburgh who'd come together to break the stranglehold that the company had had on their lives. That was the point where I knew I had to see the captain again. I wanted to know more about Great Granny McKendrick and her co-op. First things first, though. I was awake, I needed to pee, and I wanted my coffee, and in that order... It seemed odd to step onto the mess deck just as breakfast was being served, probably because there had not been many opportunities in the last four months when I would not been serving said breakfast. 
I took a mug from the rack, filled it with fresh Sarabanda dark, and stood in line with a tray, grinning at Pip, who was making omelets. Diane was in front of me. She glanced over her shoulder to see what was behind her and laughed. Not used to seeing you on this side of the line, she said. I'm not used to being on this side myself, I grinned. Thanks for helping with the scrubbers, Ish, she said. That really made a difference. My pleasure. We're all in the same boat, as it were. True, she said, but not everybody would help with a slimy job like that one if they didn't have to. I just shrugged and changed the subject. You sold all your stuff the other day, right? She nodded, but Pip interrupted loudly. Excuse me, I'm trying to serve breakfast here. Diane turned with a giggle and said, Oh, sorry. She held out her plate for Pip to slide the omelet on it. Thank you so much. And you, sir, how may I serve you this morning? He was laying it on with a trowel and grinning the whole time. A two-egg omelet, some of those excellent mushrooms, a bit of onion, some crumbled bacon, and some of that grated cheese, if you please. Moist in the middle, my good man. Mind you don't dry it out, I told him. How about I just hit you in the head with a pan and throw your carcass out the lock, he countered. I laughed. Okay, that works. I noticed that Cookie had been working on his skills, though, because he slid a perfect omelet onto my plate in just a couple minutes. Thanks, Pip. Looks great, I told him. He waved his spatula at me. Enjoy. I looked around and found Diane sitting at a table, indicating that I should join her. As I settled across from her, she asked, So, Francis says you guys visited him last night on watch? I nodded. That's why I was asking about whether or not you sold all your stuff. Pip sold everything we have to sell here while they were up there yesterday. By all measures, this was an amazing success. She sipped her coffee and nodded. was for me. I sold out stuff I've been dragging around forever. It was much easier than trying to find some buyer and convince him that he should buy your stuff, deal with meetings and shady bars. I turned a nice profit, too, so I got both mass and cred to spend today. I nodded. Yeah, me too. There wasn't anybody in the mess line at the moment, so I motioned Pip over. What Pip and I were talking about to Francis last night is the possibility of getting organized before we hit St. Cloud. Pip joined us and added, We did this on the spur of the moment, and we weren't terribly well prepared. I suspect there are people aboard who could have used the help in selling and didn't know we were doing it because the whole thing was so slapdash. I've been thinking we should actually form the McKendrick Mercantile Cooperative, you know, like on the banner, ask the other traders on the crew to join. Together we can coordinate coverage stands, merchandise, and expenses. With some investment, we could put together a booth that made it look like we knew what we were doing. Diane laughed. I'm being double-teamed here, but I think you're right. What will it take? I shrugged. If all we do is let the rest of the crew know that we're going to have a booth where they can sell their stuff, that's more than we had going in. Good point, she agreed. I'm trying to think of this as a business, Pip said. I don't want to share everybody's profits, because that's not right. But there's a lot of things we can pool that will help everybody sell. Like what? she asked. Well, like chairs, I said. My feet were killing me when we came off the floor. Mine too, Diane said ruefully. So the co-op invests in chairs, but the expense should be shared by all the members somehow, Pip said. That makes sense, but whose mass allotment takes the hit, she asked. Pip and I looked at each other. I'm thinking we ask Lois, I told her. I was thinking the same thing, Pip grinned. Lois who, Diane asked. Lois McKendrick, of course, I said. Let me know how that works out for you, she said. Pip told her, oh, I think we'll convince her. Diane looked doubtful. Well, if we do this, we'll need creds for expenses. Booth rental chairs, signs, cargo totes. Grav pallet, I suggested. Ooh, she said, that would be posh, but maybe overkill. I nodded. True, but I think we're on the right track. I'm willing to toss a few creds in the pot as seed money, but how do we replenish the pot? Diane ate her omelet thoughtfully. This is good, she told Pip as an aside. Okay, I see three ways. Dues, buy-ins, or fees, she said at last. I thought of dues, but there's a problem with that because it's so limited. If you don't pay your dues, then you can't sell. And if you want to drop out halfway through the period, how can we give you a refund, I asked. Pip said. And I thought of the buy-in idea. 
You pay a fee to set up in the booth at the next port. Diane nodded. Downside is you have to pay before you get the income. If you don't sell anything, tough, Pip finished. I think I like the fee idea. How are you thinking this would work? Well, if you sell in the booth, you pay some nominal amount in booth fee. I'm thinking like 1%, she said. We could cap that so it's 1% or 10 creds, whichever is smaller. That way somebody who doesn't sell a lot can still get in there. People who sell a lot don't get smacked with a huge bill. Pip nodded. Rental here in Marguerite is 10 a day. The table costs a cred a day. One person paying the max cap per day would cover the rental. Diane pointed out. If we'd been operating under that rule during this pass exercise, all four of us would have paid 10 creds that first day. I shook my head. No, 10 creds is 1% of a thousand. Bev and I only made about a hundred each, but that big bundle of belts would have covered it easily. Diane said, well, I made almost a kilocred on my stuff, so I'd have made up the difference. Pip added, and yesterday Ron Shaw, Biddy Murphy, and I would, too. This seems pretty fair to me, then, Diane said. I'd gladly have kicked in ten creds for that. Francis came in looking for breakfast then, so Pip went to get him an omelet. Thanks, Diane, I told her. That's kind of what I was thinking, but you put it in a nutshell for me. She finished her breakfast and replied, my pleasure. Count me in whatever we have going forward, okay? I nodded and paused for a moment before asking, You know anything about mushroom farming? Mushroom farming? She looked incredulous. Do you know what the phrase smooth change of subject means? I laughed. Sorry, my brain is hopping around this morning. Did you know that Marguerite is like the mushroom capital of the galaxy or something? You're kidding. I shook my head. They have plenty of dark tunnels here to grow them in. I thought I'd try to find out what it takes besides dark and space. I know it takes some kind of sterile growing medium, but what do they have out here in the deep dark? She looked thoughtful for a moment, and then looked me straight in the eye. Sludge. That's my thought, too. Fancy a little exploration? Ten minutes, main lock, she said. I'll be there. I waved at Pip and Francis as I bust my tray and headed for my civvies. Fifteen minutes later, Diane and I were standing on the docks. So how do we find a mushroom farm? Look for someplace dark, I suggested. <laughs> That'd be most places here, I should think, she replied. I smacked myself on the forehead. Of course. I pulled out my tablet and dialed up the ship's stores. The invoice for what looked like a huge amount of mushrooms was on file, along with the contact office up on deck 12. She smiled when she saw it. Hmm, there's a calm over there. Suppose we can get an appointment? Well, all they can say is no. So we crossed the deck and I keyed the contact number from the invoice. Marguerite Mushrooms, Helen speaking, how can I help you? She answered on the first ring. She was a typical front-door greeter type on the screen. Hi, my name is Wong. I work on the galley in the freighter Lois McKendrick. You sold us a quantity of mushrooms day before yesterday. Yes, Mr. Wong, is there a problem? She asked. Oh, no, they're excellent, but my colleague and I are interested in how they're grown out here in the deep dark. It must be fascinating. Let me put you in touch with Mr. Cameron. He's in charge of our field operations. A moment later, the screen was filled with a pudgy, floored face of, Cameron, field ops, how can I help you? Hello, Mr. Cameron, my name is Wong, and I'm from the freighter Lois McKendrick. Your company sold us some excellent mushrooms, and my colleague and I would like to learn more about how they're grown out here. Well, Mr. Wong, we grow them in tunnels and the mined-out asteroids. Thanks for your interest. Is there a chance we might visit one of these asteroids this morning, I asked. Oh, I'm terribly sorry, kid, but we're really busy here. I don't know how we'd find the time. Diane, who'd been off-camera for the conversation so far, sighed and shook her head. She unbuttoned the top button of her blouse and elbowed me out of the way. "'Mr. Cameron,' she cooed into the pickup. "'I'm Diane Ardell. We are so sorry to be such a problem, but we'll be leaving in the morning, and this is our very last chance to come up and see your operation up close.'
She leaned into the pickup so the little girl breathy voice she was using would be carried. You don't think you could find some errand boy to take us on a tour, just one little mushroom farm? I thought Cameron was going to turn purple as Diane idly stroked one finger up and down the edge of her collar. Uh, well, yeah, that is, I think my next meeting was just canceled. Let me check. Yeah, my secretary says I'm free this morning. I, I could take you, Miss Ardell. Oh, Mr. Cameron, call me Diane, she interrupted breathily. D -d Diane, yes. I, I think I could take you to see Mushroom Farm. Oh, and Mr. Wang, too, of course, he stammered. Uh, could you meet me in lock 42 on the dock level? Say, 20 ticks? Oh, Diane squealed. That would be just so perfect. Thank you so much, Mr. Cameron. I look forward to meeting you. I'm looking forward to seeing you, too, D -D Diane, he stammered. Toodles, then, Diane replied, and cut the connection. I stood there, just staring at her. You know you're shameless, I observed admiringly. Yes, she said, with a little self-satisfied grin. I know, and thank you for noticing. The nice thing about clichés, she assured me, is that they only get to be clichés by being true long enough for people to recognize them. Trust me, Ish, she said in a much more serious tone. That man is a cliché. Ten ticks later, the very busy Mr. Cameron was shaking our hands outside a private shuttle dock halfway around the station from the Lois. He wasted no time in getting us into the shuttle, and we boosted away from the station. It took less than half a stand for us to cruise to a nearby asteroid. We watched the approach through the shuttle ports. Diane dropped a cutie pie routine as soon as we were settled into the shuttle. Mr. Cameron, intent on her cleavage, didn't seem to notice, but he played the tour guide well. This is one of the larger residential rocks in the system, he told us. I thought we were going to visit a farm, Diane said. We are, he said, with paternal smile. Our farms are all in the residentials. Really, she said. Is it because you need them to be farmers? Again, he made with a condescending smile. Oh, no, he said, and patted her hand. We need their... And he stopped in mid-sentence, realizing what he was about to say, and casting about for some other way to say it. Sludge, I suggested. He seemed to notice that I was aboard the shuttle for the first time. Yes, he said at last, the uh, sludge. The shuttle docked in a fully enclosed landing bay. We walked from the shuttle into a processing area. It was all enclosed and automated, but Cameron said, this is where we harvest the mushrooms and freeze-dry them for transport. We keep a few for fresh product, but the money is in dried. Less mass, you know. Diane nodded. Yes, we know. He showed us to the next room, a large chamber with several noisy machines. Cameron shouted, we get the growing medium and big cakes from the environmental sections. We run it through these mills to flake it up to make more room for the mushroom's roots to grow. He beckoned us through to the next room. The noise level dropped. He showed us piles of flaked sludge being mixed with some kind of wet green plant material. We mix the byproducts from our hydroponics with the flaked medium here and form it into what we call logs. He pointed out where the mixture was being extruded into loose net tubes like sausages a quarter meter in diameter and a meter long. I could see Diane biting her lip to keep from laughing. The environmental group had a rather literal view of their work, which colored their perceptions of the world, and tended to make them laugh at common euphemistic excursions. Cameron was pointing to where each log was being stuck with a small diameter tube before being hooked on an overhead rack and trundled down a long dark tunnel. Here we inoculate the log with mushroom spawn. It takes about a month for the roots to spread through the log, after that, the roots start pushing through the surface and forming mushrooms, which we can then harvest. Like some latter-day magician, he flung open a connecting door and showed us a nearly identical track, bearing logs now thickly studded with fresh mushrooms, emerging from another dark tunnel. 
The track ran into a large machine where, as Cameron explained it, we strip off the netting, shake out the medium, and separate the mushrooms from the roots. Mycelium, Diane corrected with a wry smile. I beg your pardon, Cameron said, taken off guard. They're not roots, but mycelium, or probably more correctly, hyphae, she said. Do you use the same medium for all your product varieties? Cameron was blinking rapidly now, trying to catch up with where he'd been derailed. Yes, basically, some require temperature variations and others get different nutrient baths, but I couldn't tell you which gets which. Diane nodded and held out her hand. Thank you so much, Mr. Cameron, she cooed, dropping smoothly into the cutie pie mode and letting Cameron get back onto his internal script. You think we could go back to the station now? All this excitement has made me quite faint. Cameron became immediately solicitous. Of course, my dear, of course, please, right this way. It took almost no time for us to get back to Marguerite and bid our fond adieus to Cameron. The hard part was not laughing ourselves silly before we got out of earshot. After the worst of the giggles had tapered off, I asked her, So what do you think? I think sludge just got a lot more interesting, she said. Yeah, I agreed, me too. If we were going to grow mushrooms on the lowest, what would we need? So that's your game, she crowed. I knew you were up to something. Changing the whole trading culture isn't enough, she teased. I chuckled and shrugged. What can I say? I'm frugal. My mama raised me not to waste anything, and when I heard we were giving away sludge cakes as terraforming base, I got this wild idea there must be something we can do with it. Diane laughed. You want to make money on sewage. I shrugged. Hey, the more money the ship makes, the more money I make. I don't care what it starts life as, so long as it ends as a cred in my account, I said with a smile. Ishmael Wang, she said. I like the way you think. Thanks for listening to episode 14 of Quarter Share, a trader's tale from the golden age of the solar clipper. Music is from the Lucky Black Cat, a hornpipe in A minor, recorded by James Curran and available on the Internet Archive at www.archive.org. This has been a presentation from Durandus, offered under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 2.5 license. For website and more information on the Golden Age, visit www.durandus.com/golden.